This is Brittany Howard, and this is Q presents the making of. Hi. Good to meet you. This is Sue. Hello. Hello. Hi. 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 H
<laughs> I'm not a dictator by any means. But you are. You're just running your own show, though, right? So. Well, I got a good team around me. I'm a good. I got good managers. I got good folks to label. They help me out. They just because they're sitting here, right? That's, just... That's it. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> I'm not alone. No. It may seem like it, but I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. And what was the so? What was the impetus for for doing this on your own? I don't know. It felt like you know it was time to create something again. That's what it felt like, and I wasn't sure what it was going to be until I decided. You know, I was taking a long drive across the United States and. And I just decided, you know, what, what do I want the rest of my life to look like? Do I, do, do I want to do something I've never done before while I can? You know, I just turned 30, and I was just like, I want to do something that I've always wanted to do. And then I just had to ask myself the question, um, well, what is it you want to do? And I said, well, I've always wanted to do my own record, and I guess now is as good as time as any. And so... Then I started freaking out about how am I supposed to write a record? <laughs> you know, it's always like that existential, like, can I do this anymore? Or, am I still good at this? Am I still cut out for this? And, you know, I had to go through all that self-doubt, you know, mm -hmm. about it. And then uh, I came out with a record. <laughs> here we go. Yeah, here, here we, we are. Like, it came it. out okay. It did it. Okay. So let's, um, let's wind everything right back to the beginning. Um, you were born 21 years exactly. No. 20 years exactly, plus one day um, after me. Just wanted to say that because it's October the 2nd, mm -hmm. 88. Yeah. I'm October the 3rd, 68. Nice. It's good. So we're Libran. So you've fellow got Libra. Fellow Libran. Yeah. Um, you were born in Athens, Alabama. Yes, that's correct. Tell me what it was like in the early, late 80s, early 90s. I mean, for me, being a little kid, I remember early on when I was really little, mm. it was a great time. My mom would just like let me run out the door and I would just be playing in the woods all day with our animals. We had all kinds of animals, like geese and ducks and chickens and pigs and I had a turkey. And you just go out, play with the animals all day and then come back in, eat dinner and go to bed. And every day it was like really exciting because yeah. I was just free. You yeah. know, that's what that's what I remember. Lots of sun, lots of scrapes and bruises and yeah. things like that. Yeah, well, um, I read that your house burnt down due to a lightning strike as well. Mm -hmm. Is that what happened? I don't know. You know, um, we were my you know my sister was ill when I was growing up, so uh, her, my mother, and my father were at the hospital, and I was staying with my grandparents. Next thing I know, um, my uncle's like, "Yeah, your your house burnt down." And I was like, "Oh, okay." So <laughs> where we live now? And he's like, "I don't know. I guess you're gonna stay here." <laughs> wow, yeah. pretty dramatic. Yeah, but it wasn't, like, traumatic or anything. I mean, my family did a really good job making it seem like a kind of a normal thing. <laughs> Even though it's very bizarre. Yeah. It was like, yeah, our house burnt down. You know, we don't you don't have any more clothes or anything, but we're fine. We'll, we'll, we'll work it out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll work it out. Yeah. Um, when did music first enter your life? Oh, uh, music, me and music, ever since I was born, it's like that's, that's been, that's, music's been, synonymous with just being alive, living, uh, seeing, breathing, hearing, all the things. It's music to me. So, I mean, ever since I came into the world, that was the thing I was most attracted to was, uh, yeah, like Elvis Presley and Prince and Michael Jackson from a really young age, like mm. three years old, trying to do all the Elvis moves and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Where where did the music come to into your house? Oh, my parents love music. Um, my parents, like, they had a... A pretty extensive record collection, albeit most of it was like Prince and Elvis Presley. It was mostly 
Prince and it was Presley Records. And it's but pretty good. Pretty good though. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And then I'd stay with my grandma. My grandma loved music, and she would sing me all the old, like, Supremes and kind of 60s pop music. And my grandma would play the James Brown, and I'd be into James Brown. And that's how music entered into my household. And as far as other musicians go, my sister was a great musician. And then my uncle, the one who earlier I said told me my house burnt down really nonchalantly. He was a pretty good metal guitarist. Right. <laughs> yeah. How much older was your sister? Four years. Four, four years, years, yeah. Okay. And when did you first start playing music yourself? Oh, I think she taught me how to play when I was like three or four. Wow. Just keys, you know, just messing around. Right. Making sounds. You grew up playing keyboards, drums, guitars, is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, started off on keys. Then I learned how to play drums, and then I learned how to play the bass, and then I learned how to play guitar, and then just, I'm not very proficient at any of those really but I can get around on most things you know so if somebody wants a lousy drummer <laughs> you know how to reach me yeah okay <laughs> uh, <laughs> when was your first, when did you first start playing with other people I think when I was like um, I remember first learning a stringed instrument when I was 11 years old I first picked up bass and then by the time I was 13 I was playing guitar I taught myself how to play guitar and then I was like, I got to get a band together. And I'm asking all these kids that I went to school with, like, do you want to be in a band with me? Do you want to start a band? Like, all this stuff. And, of course, a lot of them couldn't play instruments yet. So I'd be like, come to my house. I'll teach you how to play drums. And you can be the drummer. Mm. And kind of just trying to make it work. You know, it was mm. like a dream I had. Yeah. yeah. Who did you want to emulate? Oh. Oh. I don't know if I wanted to emulate anyone. I think I just wanted a band. I think I just like, what's mm. the easiest stuff to play? And I'll do that. Mm. So it's like punk music was the first thing that we tried to do. And then it kind of went into like prog rock, which is like a weird, that was a weird time <laughs> trying to play like yes covers and things like that. Mm. Yeah. Mm. We're pretty advanced for teenagers. Yeah. Yeah. What was the first band you're in? First band I was in was called Kerosene Swim Team. Okay. Punk band. Okay. What was your best song? We didn't. We didn't have a best song. Oh, what was your, what, <laughs> what was your key? What was the key number? The key Kerosene number. swim team. I don't remember. I don't remember. I think they're all pretty crap. <laughs> they're all pretty bad. You songs. know what the best? You know what the songs were. Everyone can remember their songs. I, I'm. I'm sorry. There's been a lot of songs later. Okay. All right. Fair thing. An absolutely key moment in your upbringing was when your sister died. Mm-hmm. Can you remember the circumstances around that happening? Uh, sure. I mean, what happened was, I was really little, I think I was like seven, when we noticed something was wrong, because she just woke, my sister Jamie woke up one day and just was blind, and I thought she was trying not to go to school, and I was like, that's a good one. I was like, that's not going to work. I was like, you're faking it, it's not real, and all this stuff. So it started off that way, and then we started going to doctors and stuff, and then we found out what it was, and... Then it was just about um, trying to hold our lives together while also trying to treat this cancer that had developed, which was a, b- a brain tumor. But uh, it started off as something called retinoblastoma, which is tumors in the eye, and it spread to the brain. Wow. Yeah. And it was, I mean, pretty dramatic time in our lives as a family. Everybody was grieving in their own way, so... My mom was really taking care of my sister a lot. My dad was trying to work and, and deal with it his own way. And 
And then I was just like running around in the yard and not fully understanding what was happening. So I just stayed outside most of the time just to kind of stay out of the way, you know. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So everybody kind of split their own direction. I guess those things do happen. Yeah. And I guess you'll put the, you put the grief in different places, don't you, to deal with it mm-hmm. later on, which is kind of what you've done now with your solo record. Yeah. Yeah. And it took a, it took a long time just to be able to talk about it, too, without tearing up or yeah, sure. being... Uh, you know sad about it but it takes you know it takes a lot of time to confront things that perhaps you didn't have the mental capacity to do when you're a child so once I got older I started saying like hey why am I like this like I think something's wrong with me or you know stuff like that and looking into it actually instead of just being like I'm fine until you're not fine so Luckily enough, I had people around me that were just like, yeah, you can talk to me about it or let's go talk to this person about it or let's let's what what was that like? Let's dig into that, which has been tremendous because I grew up in a place where you don't get mental uh, health. You don't get like you don't go to therapists, like, you know, know, because it's like there's a taboo around it. At least there was when I was like a really young adult, like Mm. 20 years old. And it's like, oh, you only do that if you're crazy. That's the kind of household I grew up in. But um, I don't believe that at all. I think it should, you know, it should be like going to get your teeth cleaned. You know, sometimes okay. you got to look into getting your mind cleaned and and um, making sure you're healthy there too. You know. Mm. Yep. Yeah, got to keep flossing the mind too. Yeah, the, stay on top of things. Yeah, definitely. Um, and when did you start with the shakes? Then when did you? How, how did that come together? I think it was shoot, shooting back in time. Ago. I think our first show with the shakes uh, was 2009. And we were playing this little bar called The Brick in Decatur, Alabama. And we didn't know how much we were going to get paid. We just All we had to do was play 30 minutes. And um, we we worked on it for a week. And it was like, you know, it was really a miracle because me and Zach, the bass player at the band, we had always been playing together. And I was like, wow, I really want this guitar player, Heath. I, you know, I really think he's fantastic, but I don't know how to get him. And somehow they got a hold of me and Zach's mixtape. And he was like, hey, I want y'all to open for my band. And I was like, whoa, whoa. I was like, to me, that's like a huge gig. And I was like, okay, but we don't have a drummer. He's like, I, I know a drummer. Got the drummer in, got Heath in. That was like, that was a true form. And it was just supposed to be a one-off like kind of gig. But then once we played it, I mean, we all knew we weren't going to, you know, we all knew we were going to play together mm-hmm. again yeah. as long as we could. Yeah. 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 And what were those first gigs like then? <laughs> Oh, exciting, thrilling, terrifying. Right. Yeah, I never really played for money before. Yeah. I mean, that was the thing. It's like, oh, I'm in a band now. Yeah. It's handing me $200. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to go pay my bills with this. It's like incredible. To me, it's like free money. <laughs> yeah. And it was... Uh, free went. money because you do something that you enjoy so much and they're going to give you... Oh, some, yeah. 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 And then also, um, just people liked it. I was... I've never been in a band before where people were like, yay! You know? <laughs> it's yeah. usually like, I don't know about that. Yeah, so uh, it was absolutely thrilling. And once we started, I, I knew that's what I want to do for the rest of my life, no matter what, you know, because we were both working. I mean, all of us were working during the day and then playing gigs at night and then loading out at 2 a.m. and then waking up at 7 and going to work. And, I mean, it was exhausting, yeah. but wonderful time. Yeah. What sort of year was this, do you think? Oh, 2009, 2010. Okay, yeah. so within two years, so you had your debut album out. I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. But you have to understand, like, before that, it was just like, 
me and it was me and Zach trying to carve our way without the rest of the band, and it wasn't right. going so well. But we were trying, you know, we we're trying to make records and trying to play shows. But then once we once Heath and Steve joined the band and and completed it, yeah, we were playing shows for no money. But then it wasn't long before. Uh, we had somebody looking out for us, which is like Patterson Hood from the Drive-By Truckers, and mm-hmm. he called his management and was like, yo, come come watch this band play. I really like them. And then they did, and then, we, you know, we were really lucky. We we had, like, such good management come on board mm. so early on. The reception when people started hearing you throughout the world was pretty... Was, was it overwhelming? Because it was huge. Oh, it was shocking. Are you yeah. kidding me? Like, I went from, like, working at the post office to, like, being in Berlin, it was like insane. <laughs> and, you know, like taking my first airplane ride to a foreign country, like getting a passport, like things I never imagined I would see. And and then also there's like uh, not even seeing all of America before. I'd only ever been in the South. And then going to see mountains for the first time, seeing the desert for the first time, seeing the ocean for the first time. Like it was like it was amazing. Like I'll never forget those first tours when we're still in that van and looking out the window and just being like, whoa, everything looks like a calendar. Yeah. You know what I mean? So those first tours, that's, that's when you literally left your home pretty much for the first time. Yeah. yeah. Far out. So it was, <laughs> it's a lot to take on board in one go, isn't it? I was ready. Right, you were ready, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah, I was so, I was so over the moon. Yeah. So you were pretty keen to get out of um, Alabama generally. Definitely. Stage, yeah. yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's, a quiet, it's a quiet place. Not Nothing really happens. And yeah. I was just uh, happy I could get out. Yeah. A lot of people don't. No. This is Brittany Howard, and this is Q, presents The Making Of. What were your songs, what were you trying to communicate within your songs in those early, earliest days? Oh, I don't, um, I don't know. I think a lot of them were like love songs, or they were like highly veiled songs that were, that were about me, but were very like hidden, mm. meaning vague songs. Um, I don't know. I don't think I could ever write like that again. But I don't. I don't know if I ever want to necessarily. I, I would like to think I'm getting better and better mm. instead of like worse. worse. <laughs> that's the key, I think, in most that's things. The let's just try and get better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But you know, I was just like, uh, had a, had, a, had. I feel like I had a lot to say, but the way it was mostly coming out, perhaps, was not like lyrically. It was mostly like energy. And um, just being loud and seen and heard, mm. and that felt great. Yeah, because I mean, the second album is quite different. I know it—you mm-hmm. it, you really can't rationalize the sound down about it, you? And it felt a bit more, felt a bit more personal. Sounded color. Yeah, sounded colors already sounded. Yeah, you know, with that one, I was just like, I—I've always grown up with so many different types of music around me. It, it seemed natural to do what just felt right yeah. instead of saying well I'm going to make another record just like Boys and Girls because that was successful and to me I was just like no that's how I felt then and that's what I was into then and now this is what I'm into now and I don't think there's anything wrong with just doing what you want to do no. especially creatively it makes the most sense to just follow that muse yeah. and um, yeah but it totally, it totally worked again Sound and Color was a, another big well, maybe it's a bigger hit, wasn't it? Oh, I'd like to say bigger. Yeah, we got yeah. some Grammys for it. Na- yeah, you got to number one in America as well. Yeah. I mean, that's... No, it's incredible. Yeah. Again. 
That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, the type of person I am is like something will happen and I'll be like, oh, this is great for about 10 seconds. Right. And then the next thing that creeps into my mind is like, okay, you got this Grammy, but what are you going to do next time? It like yeah. starts immediately. And so I think that's how I felt from Boys and Girls. It was like, okay, this has been crazy. It was like, I really don't want to ruin this, but... And then proceeded to do everything the opposite way as boys and girls. Not on purpose. It just yeah. happened that way. And then um, Sound and Colors out. And then we got the Grammys. And I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. And then I'm like literally holding the Grammy. I'm just like, what am I going to do next? <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, you, you, weren't, you weren't thinking that at the moment when you got the Grammy? Not at the moment. I'd Almost. say, like, okay, what happens at the Grammys is you stand up there, you give the speech, and then they take you in the back and they immediately take your photo. The photo was when it started creeping into my mind. Really? <laughs> yes, pretty quick. I guess it means it's over, but we've done this now. We've done this, this bit. Oh, I just, like, uh, I'm just really excited for challenges. I'm excited to start over again. I'm excited to work. I'm excited to use that part of my brain hmm. that I felt like... W- I wasn't using at the time because we were touring for Sound and Color. You know what I mean? Like, mm. it's a cycle. You release the album, you tour for the album, you release the album, you tour for the album. And I think it had been so long since the album had been out at that point, in my opinion, that I was ready to work on something else. Mm. So it just kind of snapped into my mind. Mm. What do you think your colleagues in the band were thinking at that stage? Were they thinking the same thing? Were they thinking? Oh, I have no idea. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't speak for them. No. Okay. How did they take you um, saying, okay, guys, I'm going to... I'm going off make Britney Howard record. How did the conversation come up? You know, they're 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 truly the best guys I've ever met. They were super supportive, and we all sat down in a circle, and we all talked about what it meant and how it felt to us, and and um, moving forward, what that was going to mean, and the, you know, I got their full support, and I'm I'm really actually really gracious to them for letting me. To do this, and they, and they had such grace about it. Everybody was so cool about it. They're like, yo, I know you need this is something you need to do. I know this is important to you. Like, go do it. And I mean, what can I say? That's the kind of caliber of people I was torn with, man. Mm. Great dudes. Mm. So tell me about making this record. How did you start making Jamie? What was what was in your mind when you panic? <laughs> right. Let me begin there. Okay. <laughs> I think a lot of creatives would understand what I'm saying. First, there's the I want to do something phase, and it's exciting, and it's full of ideas. Nothing's concrete yet. And then there's the phase of let me put a deadline on it so things actually happen. So then you put the deadline on it, and then you're still in this frilly phase where it's like, oh, maybe I'll do this, or maybe it'll be like this, or, you know, oh, it's going to be fine. And then you start getting closer to that deadline, and then the panic sets in. Mm. And you're like, I don't have anything. I, I don't know what to do. I'm not inspired. I don't know. I have nothing ready. Uh, let me go to California. So I went to California, and then I went to this beautiful place called Topanga. I'd never been before, but people told me it was nice. So here I am in this beautiful, lush garden, and I'm supposed to be working on music, and I just can't. I just Nothing's coming. It's super frustrating. And, and I'm like, uh-oh. And then this heat wave hit. It was 104 degrees. And I was recording in a greenhouse, so it's like even hotter in the greenhouse so I'm just like in there sweating and then all the songs started coming oh like a sauna like a sauna yeah. of ideas yeah once I mean like once I hit the pinnacle of stress I was just like I give up and then it's like songs wham and I was like 
I was like, oh, thank you so much. And then I went to the studio. I think I had about like four songs that I had written in the greenhouse. And it was time to go to the studio. I was still slightly panicked because I was like, I have all the musicians coming and I'm, I don't have a full album for them to play. And then as it was something remarkable happened. The, they showed up and we were tracking those four that I had written in California. And then we would be having these conversations over lunch, you know, and in conversation, someone would say like a song title that I had already written previously that was on my hard drive back in Tennessee. Uh, and so we'd be having a conversation and they'd be like, we'd be talking about politics or something. And then at the end, someone would say something like, yeah, well, you know, history repeats itself. And I was like, oh my, I was like, oh my God, I got a song called History Repeats on my hard drive. I call up my friend Azal. I'm like, Azal, can you, can you go to my house and I'll tell you how to find the, and then send me the project and like all right. this stuff. And it kept happening. And it happened like eight times. So I had like wow. eight songs that were just there that were cool. I, I forgot about them. And so then I had my record. It's <laughs> <laughs> so a miracle. Yeah, that is a kind of a miracle. Yeah. Yeah, you probably couldn't teach that kind of creative process, but... Yeah, I don't, want, I don't really want anybody to go through that, but you do what you must. So when you listen to it, though, there's a there's definite themes, despite it kind of being scattershot like that. Yeah, it's a miracle. It, so, <laughs> what would you describe the themes for the listeners who haven't heard it? The themes. I mean, I did it earlier on, but maybe yeah, just, I mean, uh, the themes are mostly things you don't want to talk to your parents about. <laughs> so <laughs> make a record about. Yeah, religion, uh, sexuality. Uh, po- politics, sort of, um, church, going to church, God, religion. I didn't think I already said that. Yeah. Uh, but it's a definite religion. That's, yeah, the yeah. themes, how, how I really feel, how I really felt, uh, isolation or some themes. Just like being a human being and growing tired of the mask of, I'm fine, everything's fine. Life is so perfect. Life is great. It's like be, be behind that, just being uh, being more vulnerable, being more open. Uh, it's terrifying, especially if you're going to do it on a world stage. Yeah, It's ridiculous. Yeah. But go big or go home. You know what I mean? <laughs> is, does some of this relate to, say, when you're a teenager, is it some of the themes that you haven't been able to sort of vocalize before? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I th- you know, based on your life history a lot of people operate out of different um mindsets you could be still in your childhood mindset and not know it still be in your adolescent mindset and not know it or you could be the adult in the room so to speak but i think for a long time i was just operating as like a a kid it's just like because i feel like that when i was little and everything was going on in in the household around me I feel like the kid didn't speak up, the kid didn't have a voice, and I feel like now that I'm, it's, it's kind of funny because I'm known for my voice yeah. as, an, as an adult now and known for being loud, known for, known for being outspoken and things like that. But uh, really, in t- like uh, privately, I'm, I'm not like that. I'd say I'm pretty quiet, you know, unless you get a few drinks in me. <laughs> then you ask my manager. Lots of fun then. <laughs> We should have done that. It's ten thirty on a Monday morning. God. It's like the worst possible. I'm so time. sorry, but I have many things to do after. No, I know. I think we can't. We can't start the week like this. <laughs> or, well, or can we? We could have, if only I'd known. Never mind. Enjoy this water. Um, <laughs> mm. Mm. Delicious H two O. Ah, that's 
<laughs> good water. Good, that's good water. I'd love some more water. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Um, and you named it in honor of your sister. That's that's right. Yeah. Uh, is she addressed within the album too? Not really. Oh, okay. Oddly enough, I feel like you know, I feel like when people go, they don't actually disappear. So I feel like she's as much responsible for my career in this record as I am. Yeah. There's always someone pushing you forward and you know, I do I do believe in intuition and and I feel like she's uh really outspoken in in uh, that area of my life and just being fearless and, and confident and because there's a large part of me that does not want to be in the spotlight at all. Right. But then there's this huge part of me that is compelled to create and to sing and I'm thinking with my gifts, what can I do for other people? Because I feel like that's really the most important thing you could do if you're going to be like on earth and kind of help others be here as well. And yeah. and I don't know. I think I didn't mean to do that, but you know, I feel like that's the best I got. Yeah. 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 You said another theme on the um, record is race, and you are uh, the product of a white mother and African-American father. I am a product of that, yes. The product of that. <laughs> We're product of something. Um, what, what is Alabama like for someone like yourself in the late 80s? My parents were really good at um, protecting me from seeing racism, knowing racism. I feel like I didn't, I didn't know. I always thought my town was the exception. I was always like, yeah, I, you know, I don't know any racist people. I don't, I, and nobody's uh, been rude to me uh, right. based off my color. Well, the thing is, I just didn't, I just didn't know any better. Right. Like, I'll never forget going to this little girl's tea party and being absolutely ignored at the tea party by all of the adults. And, you know, the kids didn't know any better. But it was, you know, obviously based off my color, like, they didn't want to. They want to serve me the tea, or like I'm sitting at the end of the table. No one wants to talk to me, or when it, you know we're all dressing up in frilly dresses, and the ladies kind of ignoring me. And I was just like, oh, that's really weird. And I found out later, her parents um, didn't really want me there. Right. And I found out in a really w- weird way. But anyways, the the kid, the kid whose party was, comes up to me, right? <laughs> and she's just a kid, so I'm not. I don't even blame her. But she comes up to me and she's like. My mom and dad said that when you're a mixed race kid, there's something wrong with you. So like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, oh. oh Other than I went home and told man. my mom. My mom went ape shit. Yeah, she went crazy. Uh, so that was like one of the first times I remember it being strange. And you know, um, another occasion, which I wrote about on this record, it's a, it's a song called Goathead. It's a true story. My mother told me, and I was like a teenager about how hard it was for her. She never opened up about how hard it was for them as a interracial couple until I was old enough to understand the gravity. And it really shocked me because the, the, the world I grew up in was didn't see it like that. I had white friends, I had black friends, I had Latino friends, I had all the friends, you know, and I never thought about, mm. never thought about it. But she told me the story about, I was a little baby and we were up in the apartments and my dad comes home from work and he's gonna stay the night at the apartments and uh next morning we all wake up and someone has slashed my dad's tires and uh 
put, put a goat head in the back of his car and like bashed the windshield and rode on the car and all this stuff. And my mom told me this story and I was just like blown away because I couldn't believe it because it really challenged everything I thought my town was about. I was yeah. like, no, this is the one town where that doesn't happen, which is not true. This is not true. And so I write about that on the record and my parents don't know they don't like to talk about that story, but, but I, I am now putting on the record, so they haven't heard it yet. Right. <laughs> so I don't know what they're going to think. When are they going to hear it? Oh, well, man. September 20th. <laughs> really? The day of release, they're not going to do it before then? Oh, you know, I just don't want to bring up bad memories. You know, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. It's just, I just don't know what they're going to think about it because I, I feel like all the rest of my music has been cheery is not the right word but it's not been as you know not saying about goat heads that's no. different a little dark yeah, yeah. <laughs> um are they fans of your music yeah oh yeah, yeah. my parents are super proud okay. oh yeah do you think america has changed positively since say when you were growing up in mm. terms of racism was it well pretty much the same well well we got our first black president, and I was like, oh, this is a good sign. And then... You made the racists <laughs> really angry. <laughs> and, yeah. then, and now we yeah. got the one we got now. So yeah. I, don't, I don't know what to say. It's, 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 been, it's been weird. It's been interesting because some people reacted like, oh, I'm so, like, I'm so glad we can come together and, and, and be together as a country and, and, and all the races and everything. Like, you know, it does, you know we're going to support each other. That's how it felt under the previous presidency. And now there's this one, and it's very, obviously you already know about this, very divisive and very, like, me versus you, us versus them. And I, I, don't, I don't really like that. I don't really get down with that. Because previously, I used to go fishing. And then, you know, there's all these country boys and stuff. And I show up, I, I like to go fishing by the way. Right. And I show up to go fishing, used to, they just like tip the hat, I'm going to go fishing. Now I show up, one of them literally came up and was like, you better get out of here. And like all this stuff coming up to me like that, like, you better get out of here. You, we don't want you here. Stuff what? like that. Yeah. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, I'm from here, my dude. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I fish here more than you. I ain't never seen you here. Yeah. But but that happened. Like, that happened. I had my friend with me and she was like, do you want to go? Like, what should we do? And I was like, no, we're going to stay here and fish. Let them come up, you know what I'm saying? And that was weird. I, I feel like it has embroiled a lot of people. Uh, it's like they've become very passionate just about really um, messed up things. Yeah. And I try to stay out of politics as much as I can, but I'm also a very compassionate, sensitive person. And what I see in America today is, is, very, uh, is very hard to swallow. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you also mentioned religion. What's your? What's your? I'm just going to go through all the big themes that you mentioned. That's so I'm just throwing it right back at you. What's your relationship to religion? How did you? <clears throat> yeah, when I was growing up, we went to church every Wednesday, every Sunday. I went to a church twice a week. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the South. Yeah. So Wednesdays uh, we would go to Church of Christ, and then on Sundays I would go to my dad's Baptist church, and I really liked the Baptist church because it had a band. <laughs> It was a good band. It had a choir. It was good music. It was exciting. Mm. And then the Church of Christ, it was um, lots of nice people, you know, but uh, no, music's not allowed at Church of Christ for some reason. I don't. I never understood that. Um, and it was uh, very long. felt right. very long. 
so we went we went until my sister got too ill we couldn't go anymore and then after that we kind of just didn't go because I think you know my like I said earlier my parents were like grieving and they were I think I can't speak for them but I'd say the household was kind of confused like well we prayed why didn't God save her and like all these things so I think we kind of got lost in that and I just never came back to it like my mother and father definitely came back to mm. their religion and I think I was just more like exploratory from from there on like being a little kid and just being like 10 years old and being like what's Buddha let me see what that is <laughs> or spiritualism and ah near-death experience and started just flowing into this like curiosity about Mm. all religions and um i'd say now today i'm a spiritual person i mean whatever makes you a good person do well unto others like i don't i don't care what you are really and don't bother me this don't hurt nobody what are your plans for the rest of the year uh to to (laughs) my plans for the rest of the year are to tour talk about this record spread this message of uh love and compassion and bravery using your voice growing changing um across the world that's what this record for me is about and it's just me being true to myself definitely not being preachy this is just like my life Mm -hmm. but i feel like it connects to a lot of people because the way i look the way i sound the way the way that i am the way i was born um Somebody else out there is like that, and I know that they are like, well, there's not a place for me here in this world because I don't look like X, Y, Z, or I don't see images of me out there. You know, I feel like maybe that's why I am the way I am. It's like, so somebody else can be like, oh, there is a place for me. I do belong. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to do that for the rest of the year. That's a great message. You should do that all year long. (laughs) I'll try to dedicate to it. This is Q presents The Making Of. Now, we've got some other things we need to do in this interview. I think the first thing we're going to do... Well, no, it's not nothing scary. I mean, how, bad, how bad could it be? It's the, um, I'm just going to ask some general questions. What was the first record you can remember that you really loved? The first record that you really loved? Oh, man, I really loved. Third, third Eye Blind. Um, I think it's a self-titled record. Okay. It's the red, the red one. That's fantastic. What was the first band or act that you thought, I am their biggest fan, I am their fan? <laughs> I think I saw, I saw George Clinton hmm. when I was probably like 12 years old, and I thought that was pretty, at the time, I thought that was pretty amazing. Came no, out, came out wearing a diaper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd, that, I'd sign up for that too. Performance art. Yeah. What was the most recent gig or concert that you went to as a, as a fan? Oh, man. Um, either D'Angelo and the Vanguard uh-huh. or David Byrne's show. Yeah, is, the David Byrne show is amazing. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that. That was really good, yeah. Yeah, it was really good. <laughs> okay. These are really, these are impossible questions to answer, but you're going to have to try and answer them. What if Push Comes to Shove is the best song of all time? Mm. Gonna have to be like a Roberta Flack first time ever I saw your face. That's a good one. I feel like you could play that to aliens and they'd be like, oh yeah, yeah that's, that's nice good. Song, yeah. yeah, they don't even know about music. <laughs> um, and what is the song that you've written that you're most proud of? Whoa, man, my partner actually asked me this <laughs> yesterday and I was so stumped. 
Oh, I can't believe that. What did I say? Give me a second. Let's see. There's no hurry. I think Sound and Color. Okay. I really like Sound and Color. I think it's a very strange song. It's in a very strange format. There's really no verse and chorus. It just appears and goes away. Now, the next section is the final section. What's in there? Now, there used to be a thing at a magazine called Smash Hits in the olden days. And they had a thing within Smash Hits called the Biscuit Tin, which is just random questions in a biscuit tin. We stole the idea, but we haven't got the biscuit tin, so we've just got this manila envelope. So you just pick out one of the... Oh, careful. <laughs> Bit of a drinking problem there. <laughs> no, just... Uh, um, Don't let them know. No, okay. She just spilled water all over her dress. <laughs> so you just pick out one question after another okay. and read them out and tell me the answer. I mean, you know. Some people Easy like enough. this, some people... <clears throat> What's the strangest gift you've ever received? Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Strangest gift I've ever received. You know, uh... I was in a taxi yesterday, and uh, the taxi driver saw me yawn, and he gave me um he he gave me a little energy shot, uh, <laughs> a French energy shot, and he kept telling me it wasn't drugs. Right. <laughs> so I took it. What was it? I don't drugs. Know. I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I was tripping on the airplane. It was crazy. Uh, okay, we're gonna do five or six of these. All right. If that's okay with you. What do you consider the most overrated virtue? And I'll pray for that one. So you mean a virtue that I think is overrated? Yeah. <laughs> no, like, God, that's a hard, <laughs> such a hard... Who wrote these? I, uh, my colleagues. And die. <laughs> <laughs> and also some of them are olden days. Uh, oh smash it, so it keeps saying olden days. How would you answer that? <clears throat> uh, well, you know... Virtue. I think... Pride is slightly overrated. Um, yeah, I thought that was a deadly sin, pride. Oh my okay. gosh, we're getting it. Next question. Okay, we can skip that. <laughs> yeah, skip we that. don't know that. <laughs> Control, They're, I'll delete. All those virtues are good. What's your favorite smell? That's a good one. Hose pipe water. There you go. Yeah. See? <laughs> I, mean, I like the fact you knew that one straight away. It's my favorite smell. Cheerfulness is a virtue that's How was your first kiss? Yeah, well, don't ask me. I'm not telling you. Oh, uh, well, that was the question for you. Um, it was it was sweet meatloaf and onions. Tastes like meatloaf and onions. <laughs> Whoa, we're gonna keep going to this. It was after dinner. Yeah, I was eight. Okay. okay. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty early. I think I'm a Libra. I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> Who would play you in a film of your life? Um, I'm gonna get Beyonce. Or Queen Latifah, possibly. Okay. Uh, yeah. But good. probably Beyonce. Okay. Yeah. Okay, going. This is good. This is fun. How do you relax? I go fly fishing. Oh. Okay. I'm an avid fly fisher woman. Wow. Yes. You should do. You should pitch a TV show, fly fishing with Brittany Howard. That would work. Yeah, I'll do that in my spare time. <laughs> <laughs> but you could do it. You could We're get like a, week, it. a weekly guest. Not weekly. You don't want to do that one. <laughs> no, I don't like that either. Okay, look. Yeah. Jeez, guys, what are you doing in well, here? We're getting that to you ones. You guys up. drinking and coming up with these? We're getting that to ones we've never done before. Do you have a foolproof hangover cure? Yeah. Yeah, but you're not going to like it. 
you gotta exercise. You have to sweat it out. It's the only way. Yeah, I know. You just made a face. Yeah, I mean, what the same. You gotta sweat it out. Don't eat, don't eat, and don't eat heavy foods. Like I know that you want the pizza. I know that you want the sub sandwiches. Eat a salad, and and go work out, and then you're gonna feel better. Mm. I know. <laughs> One more. I know we can end on that. Note. <laughs> we didn't like that. We can't end on that note. <laughs> Do you have any hidden talents outside of music? Uh, do I have any hidden talents? Fishing, uh, basket weaving. Cooking. Ba- basket weaving. Yeah, I weave baskets. Yeah. Well, that they're is actually, a hidden talent. Actually, they're actually pretty good. That's what people tell me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, want me to show you? Okay, yes, please. Okay. Hang on here, folks. Well, we I can prove it. Just pulling up a photo. Use your imagination of a great basket. <laughs> yeah, I'll let you describe the basket. Oh, okay, excellent. Oh, man. I'm very good at that kind I of thing. I hate when I do that. I just, uh... well, here's here's a basket. <laughs> oh, you're already saying it's not a great basket. No, these are my best baskets, but that's that's one I made there. Well, that is a nice, a nice, that is a very useful looking basket. Yeah, and then I made this one out of pine needles here. Pine needle basket? Well, it's tiny too. Well, you have to boil them. It's tiny, yeah. yeah, but it took hours. Yeah, you could put an egg in there. Dang. How for long example. did that big one take to make? Oh, just a few hours. It was that's an easier material. When you're working with raffia, like making raffia baskets, it takes like fifteen hours to make a basket that's only as uh, like maybe six inches tall. It takes a very long time. When would you when would you find the time to make the baskets? In the winter, in the stressful in the stressful, stressful winter. We, I used to live in a very small house. Um, oh, here's a basket I made, yeah. I, I, used, I used to live in a very small house. It's like the living space is probably like 800 square feet or something. Mm-hmm. We had like uh, two cats, two dogs in it, and then all of our stuff. And then um, it would be so bonkers, and you couldn't go outside. And so the dogs hate the cats, and the cats hate the dogs, and it's just barking. And I would just... Put on some delightful music and just <laughs> sit there and weave a basket. Because right. what are you going to do? Yeah. Lose your mind? No. This is how I work on the little basket here. Let's see. Oh. I don't know. I was trying to work on it. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Very good. I couldn't do that. Where, where's home? I, I live in Taos, New Mexico now. I moved. Wow. Yeah, I moved from t- the south to New Mexico. I just felt I just felt it was like a little more I could, you know, spread my wings a little bit more out there, a little more accepting, because mm. uh, like you know Nashville's great. I feel like it's a very accepting place. Yeah. Lots of cool people, but you get outside Nashville, it gets a little weird. Yeah, because it's still, it's still the South. It gets yeah. weird, but I also will say in the South, there's also lots of people who want to change that. Yeah. I'm very proud of them because it takes a lot of work, a lot of organization. But that's where people's hearts are now in 2019. I'm from Alabama, and not a single part of me wants to uh, ban abortions or nah. anything like that. Not a single shred of me that wants to do that. And I got a lot of fellow people who are like that, too, in Alabama. So whenever I speak about Alabama, it is near and dear to my heart because it gets a bad rap, and it's really not fair. Nah. And I want to change that. I'm yeah. trying. But not to the extent you're going to live there anymore, though. No, I'll, I'll probably move back. Oh, would you? Right, yeah, when okay. I'm older. I, I just grew up there. I spent my whole life get there. Yeah, Got to get out for a little bit, yeah. yeah. New Mexico, I don't know anything about New Mexico whatsoever. It's beautiful. I mean, the weather's amazing. It's always sunny. Can you yeah. imagine? 
No. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, lots of good fishing. Lots of cool people, like very freaky people. Uh. Scientists. And you never know who you're going to run into. Just always interesting. Always interesting people. So, yeah, I love where I live now. Incredible. Uh, New Mexico. Might put it on my list. Yeah. It's going to go on my list. Do. Okay, and then I've just got to do this bit, which is um, thank everybody for listening. Um, thank you, Brittany Howard, for coming. Thank you so much Thank your your courtiers for coming with you. Thanks, guys. Um, thank, produ- <laughs> thank producer Sue for producing magnificently as usual. And thank, thank I've already thanked the listeners. Have I thanked the listeners? I'm going to thank the listeners again and ask them if they get a moment, please rate and subscribe us. It'll keep us, uh, keep our heads above water. And come back soon and we'll look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks. Thank you. Okay. Yay! Thanks, guys. All done. No problem. Thanks for for doing this on a Monday morning. (laughs) No problem. Thanks for coming by. It's a nice way to start the week. Yeah, it's just a trick, you know, getting into the flow of it. Yeah, I know. This is Brittany Howard, and this is Q Presents the Making of. Here we go. (laughs) Yeah, this is... It's the radio. This is... Kevin, Kevin. Come on. (laughs) Keep it professional. (laughs) 